welcome back to and then we fought a dragon and then we fought a dragon we are excited to be doing campaign two episode five and um it feels like it's been quite a while but also a really short time since this (laughs) uh campaign and i think maybe it's the cliffhanger that makes it feel like (gasps) clenching my fist um (laughs) but we'll get into a recap right away uh Oh, I'm Desiree. Sorry. I'm Becky. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're excited to get into everything. I will do my recap and then Rebecca will talk about what happened in this session and then we'll discuss a little bit. Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a little warning that <laughs> things might get kind of creepy for me. So there might be some times where I just la la la. You know, just yeah. okay, get through it. So that um, way everyone listening can hear, but you don't have to suffer through it unnecessarily if it's too much. I just get very vivid imagination that yeah. doesn't end when yeah. this ends. Yeah. So don't gotta res- respect my personal brain boundaries. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, let's talk about what happened last week. Yeah. Um, so you met some old friends and got a new ride. Yep. Uh, kind of pirate's life for me <laughs> situation going on on the boat. Yeah. Oh, right. You're on, you're journeying to yes. a different land. Well, yeah. 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 Continent. Yeah. Continent. Um, there currently is the plague on board. Yeah. So that's concerning. You're kind of racing the clock a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of other secrets as well. <laughs> what? Lots of secrets. <laughs> to the point where I was quite frustrated last <laughs> week. I wanted everyone just to have a sit down and have a proper sharing circle because <laughs> too many secrets. Um, there was One a day. tentacle attack. Yep. And now Brenna is a ghost. Well, not like permanently. No, no, but that's essentially the state. (laughs) She's in a state. I guess ghost can be used in a used in. That's not a word. Used (laughs) in a broad way. Yeah. So she's like in a state of ghostliness. Yeah. Um. So that's that was the cliffhanger we left off on. Yeah. And now find out what happens next. Yeah. Um, before I jump into this session, I'm going to do a quick recap on the characters, because it's been a few weeks since we reminded everybody who's in Campaign 2 and what their class is and stuff, so we'll go through that quickly. I'm Brenna. I'm a changeling bard in this campaign. Then we have Sumi, who I'm not going to do everybody's race, but I'm going to do everybody's class. Sumi is a monk. Nathaniel is a warlock. Viper is a rogue. Glenn is an artificer. And Mako is a paladin that's everybody right yes yes <laughs> <laughs> gotta make sure we include everybody in there so yeah that's who we got in our party and like Des said i'm currently a ghost because i went unconscious for the first time last session and as a changeling i reverted back into my og changeling form which is very very pale hence the ghostliness yes so we reopened this would have been like a week ago now. So it was good to type up my notes today and remind myself what happened. Cause I'd forgotten like the entire first half because 
I was focused on the second half. Yeah. <laughs> um, usually we do record uh, a little bit closer to after you yeah. have your sessions, but Rebecca's working now, so. Yeah. First week finished. Anyway, back to D&D. We are carrying on the journey on our ship with Mako's friends, Rollin and Isabel, heading to the southern continent, which is a continent of dinosaurs. Very exciting. Some sailing lessons continued happening during this trip. They weren't going so well for me, though. My, my roles were a little rough. We decided I was probably a bit preoccupied with, you know, my near-death encounter and concentrating on sailing. It's just not something I wanted to do right now. And Mako is the one infected with the plague. His gray wart is getting worse and spreading. So that's not great. But none of the rest of us are showing symptoms. So that's, that's good. And after our fight with the tentacle attack, the sea jellyfish gelatinous cube thing, we had an uneventful few days. So that was nice. Nathaniel was getting pretty good at sailing and with his like long flowing dark hair and his Asimar ancestry, his angel ancestry, he's giving like some Will Turner-esque pirate vibes. Oh. Very, very cool. So Brenna, 100% minor illusioned, a little gold hoop earring for him just to really <laughs> give those pirate vibes their best shot. <laughs> gotta, gotta get deep into character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, very appropriate because Nathaniel's played by my husband and you know I had big teenage crush on Will Turner so that that all lined up right? <laughs> we this is all there. for me everything to create <laughs> my own reality uh, but by about day 20 of our sailing journey we started passing like occasional islands and we had to slow the ship down a little bit to avoid like running up on rocks hidden amongst seaweed forests kind of in the shallower areas Ariel's be a little safer and Mako alerted us to what seemed to be a kind of like a person like lump on some wreckage uh, a little further out near what seemed to be a shipwreck and so we adjusted course to go closer and see if somebody needed help if there'd been a, a wreck recently and Viper used his mage hand to kind of move the wreckage a bit closer to us so we could see it a bit better and noted that the debris seemed quite waterlogged. This was not fresh wreckage. Mm. And then Mako noticed a tail swishing in the water near mm -hmm. the wreckage. And Viper went to go like poke the lump with his mage hand. And at the same time, Sumi kind of looked behind her and noticed four pairs of hands climbing over the rail of the ship. And uh, there's just to our company. There was fish people. <laughs> More fish people. Like, but not but, like rock and murk kind of fish people. Those were like friendly little fish people. These are like evil fish people, seemingly. So, like, sirens fish. Not people. quite. Because sirens are like more mermaid esque. These are no, like but, fish people. No, no, but I thought sirens, sirens are like the ones that are really fishy. They have like gills yeah. in their necks and like sharp teeth and stuff. Still not quite siren because there's no fin tail the way uh, sirens do like mermaids. So that there's still a bit more humanoid than that, but probably more siren-esque than anything else in that they appear to have lured us in because the lump on the wreckage is also one of them. Okay. So a bit siren-esque there for sure. Mm -hmm. There's five of them total and two of them are huge. Like mm -hmm. 
on our little maps, one square is five foot by five foot. They take up four squares. Oh, yeah. They're really big. So that was scary. We had to roll some initiative. That changes everything in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you said really huge, I was thinking like, I don't know, like beluga whale size. Like big. They're they're very large. Three of them are like human-ish size, but the other two are like gross. So time to fight them. Get them off our ship. Um, Mako ran to the side of the ship where the four kind of climbed up the side and did a gust spell to kind of try to blow them back and off of the ship. And uh, Glenn managed to shove one off a ship and Viper cast Tasha's hideous laughter on one of them, which causes it just to be struck with like unstoppable laughter to the point where they will laugh till they die kind of thing if the spell is not broken. And he had to tell it a joke to cast this. It was a pretty good joke, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it to you. Um, what is a pirate's favorite letter? R. No, a pirate's first love is the C. Oh, no. <laughs> we were so pleased. <laughs> it was a good, because the instinct is R. But no. I don't know if it's this campaign or the other one that has all the jokes, uh, like the it's fun just- jokes. <laughs> I mean, both a little bit, but we yeah. got some good jokes in well, here. Well, if we haven't established it in this one yet, not a fan. Yeah. It's not my favorite thing. It was great. It was a good moment. And the, the fish person thought it was pretty dang funny and fell into the water laughing. So well, that was good. I'm glad it worked for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by now, both of the giant ones have climbed like onto the deck of the ship and they're trying to attack us. And they did, like, some bites and stabbing. They have, like, spears or um, tridents. I can't remember which. And they're they're biting and stabbing. And they hit Sumi really hard. The DM rolled a crit on her, which doubles the damage. Mm-hmm. And the smell of the blood after these attacks is making them go really feral. They're getting more aggressive. And... <laughs> Yeah. You, you like mentioned sharks. that it gets creepy in the second half. Um, I want to say now it's getting feeling like creepy already. Finding Nemo. Like when the shark smells the blood and is like, like that. It's like that. Okay. Just Keep finding going. Nemo. It's okay. And then Nathaniel tried to cast Witchbolt and missed. Um, I managed to cast, I aimed it too and missed for Acid Splash. We were rolling so terribly. Throughout this whole thing, there was so many misses happening. Sumi was getting attacked again. Um, Mako kind of adjusted the angle to try to blow some more off the boat. It wasn't working as well as could be hoped because we were rolling really terribly. And Glenn activated his healing bot because it was becoming very apparent we were going to need the healing bot because we were rolling really terribly. Sumi missed some hits. Viper missed some hits. Daniel missed some hits. It was bizarre. Okay, <laughs> when comes the, and then? Yeah, yeah. And then the fish people attacked us. There's that part. Yeah. And the DM rolled multiple crits, hitting people and doing more double damage. We were like, I'm sorry. Are you cheating? How are you rolling? So many natural 20s. It's hitting us. Funny, like, I feel like this, your DM in this campaign really is like, oh, I hope everything goes bad. And then he was DM... feeling bad. <laughs> okay, well, there's that at least. Because sometimes in yeah. your other campaign, I'm like, your DM is letting you get away with stuff. This should <laughs> not have worked out. 
And so it's, it's a different vibe for sure. Yeah. Both of them are entertaining, but... RDM in this campaign is um, married to the player of Sumi. And the, he was critting on Sumi so many times. He was really... I think he was a little nervous he was going to kill her character. She was not super happy. Have a um, yeah. strong discussion after. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, people were taking a lot of damage. Bit scary. Um, Nathaniel managed to do some hits. I managed to hit with my Chaos Bolt, which was good. And then the fish creatures started, like, surrounding and attacking Mako and the healing bot. They decided to try and attack that. Thankfully, it's made of pretty stern stuff, so they kind of gave up without actually being able to damage it, which was good. good. Yeah. And then more, you know, hits and misses going back and forth. An obscene number of misses, quite honestly. And more crits. Because, you know, gotta do all the damage to the playing characters as possible. It's not like you guys were already pretty down and out. Yeah. No, I mean, by this point, it's been a couple days, so we've healed back up. So we're not, like, at a, quite a downside. But I was having to, literally every turn, I think I was healing wording somebody. Because of these crits, people are taking so many damage. They're, I'm needing to heal someone every single time to make yeah. sure they're not all going down. So that went on for quite a while. Um, the DM was begging us to roll better than we were rolling because we were all going to die and he didn't actually intend to kill us with this encounter. That wasn't, wasn't intentional. And there was, we came around to another attack of the giant fish and they attacked Glenn and Nathaniel and Sumi and I all in one go because there's two of them and knocked me unconscious again. Hmm. So that was not a good time. Also knocked Glenn unconscious again. Thankfully missing Sumi and Samuel. Um, so, so I was unconscious for that part. And it came around my turn. And so the DM rolled a death save for me. Because this is the campaign where the DM secretly rolls our death saves. We don't roll them ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually know if we're properly dead or not. So mm-hmm. he rolled one for me and noted it down. Which was a little scary. And uh, there was someone revived Glenn while I was unconscious, which was good. And then Sumi fed me a healing potion. You'll remember back in town, we bought two extremely expensive healing potions with the entirety of our party funds. (laughs) So she fed me the greater healing potion, which was very generous and like worth well over a hundred gold, but hey, I'm conscious again. We haven't even made it to the island of the dinosaurs yet. Yeah, that it was. Didn't you get it with the intention of like, oh, we're going to the island of the dinosaurs. Yeah. Let's make sure we're safe. Yeah, yeah. And so. you use it on fish people. <laughs> no, we use it on me. Well, it's I mean, revive me. You <laughs> used it because of fish people. Yeah. See, Sumi doesn't have like healing spells. So she, all she's got is the ability to give me a potion. So that, that was good. I was grateful that she gave me a potion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was conscious again. And by now, I was pissed up till this point. Like, in character, not out of character. Um, up to this point, we've been avoiding some of our bigger spells, like Thunder Wave. Because with the things being on the boat, they would do damage to the boat as well if we cast those spells. But I'm past that point now. So I cast a thunder wave at second level at three of the smaller fish people and managed to, like, blast them off the boat. And two of them died, and the third one was like, okay, I'm bailing, goodbye, and swam away. While I was unconscious, someone had killed one of the giant ones, 
And shortly after I blasted the other three, someone, uh, Mako, I believe, managed to kill the last one. And we're like, okay, let's get the heck out of here. We don't like this area. And we sped the ship up probably a little faster than is necessarily safe in the shallow water, but we wanted to, <laughs> to get out of here. Yeah. And as we were booking it out, we could kind of see other little lumps on little piles of wood around. And so clearly there was like a little a little thing happening. Seems to be they're they're setting out little traps. We did not explore any of those other lumps. We booked it on right through and continued our journey. So we were continuing our sailing lessons. Nathaniel's now proficient in sailing, which is exciting. It means we have two people proficient in sailing. So if we had our own boat at some point, they'd probably be able to, to handle most of it. We wouldn't need to hire a crew, which is That's useful. good. Yeah. Skills. Yeah, exactly. Got to make use of the journey. Build up some skills. And Glenn also noted during this time the damage I had caused to the ship and so him and Mako and his bone Ron were able to fix it very easily no issue I hadn't like blasted a hole in the hull or something something important yeah and so another 10 days pass and by now it's notably getting more humid and on the horizon we can kind of see mountain peaks visible and a deep valley between two of them which is where the city of Scarbia is that's where we're heading and the mountains are covered in large forests with like massively anciently tall trees, like taller than redwoods, huge. And there's huge birds circling above, but like, are they birds? They might be flying creatures, <coughs> dinosaurs. <coughs> Pterodactyl. Yeah. And in the water, we can see pods of dolphins and like exotic fish creatures we've never seen before. <coughs> cough, dinosaurs, cough. It's an island of dinosaurs, but we've never seen dinosaurs before, so we don't really know that. <laughs> and we arrived near the docks where there's like a path up the mountain to Scarbia. The docks are a couple hours away from the actual city. And there's these old stone walls kind of in blocking the valley that haven't super been maintained, but there's a gate through to the city itself. And further up past the docks, there's a stone pit that's like billowing with black smoke pouring from it and various people and lizard folk are are throwing bodies into it the fire while wearing gloves and masks so it's safe to assume these people died of the plague and they're dealing with them to avoid the spread of it um, the plague's already oh yeah yeah the plague's already yeah. yeah yeah so we're not like bringing it first contact style that would be a real bad idea but yeah they they're dealing with it here and they also seem to be a little aggressive in how they deal with it because some of the bodies are headless. So clearly, rather than let someone die of it and infect people, they're just like, okay, you're done. Here we go. So that was um, comforting for Mako, I think, to know that if he makes people aware that he has the plague, it might not go so well. So good thing to note. Good thing to note. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The, the docks are full of lizard folk, kind of decorated in, like, trophies from hunts, teeth and antlers and stuff. There's tabaxi of all sorts of colors, panthers and leopards and all, all sorts of fur colors. Um, everyone is wearing their weapons very prominently. There's absolutely no attempt to hide that you're wearing weapons, which would be more common where we're from. You kind of politely hide your weapon a little bit. Not so here. It's an aggressive society. 
And there's individuals that kind of are, are signs of being noble or royalty that are kind of escorted by entourages or even being carried on litters by slaves. And again, the air is thick and humid here and uncomfortable to breathe, except for, you know, Viper, who's from here, being Tabaxi himself. And Rollin asks us as we kind of pull in how long we're planning on staying on yeah. the continent. And Mac was like, oh, maybe a week, kind of depends on how how long it takes for us to find Salbane and the Price Daughter, which is the reason that we're here. And Isabel and Roland are willing to stay for up to a month. They'll just kind of dock in the harbor and wait for us. But after that point, they'll want to go back and actually get some paid work. That so that's feels great. like, um, what is it? Not what? premonition, but like like a... The DM telling us how long this is going to take? Yeah. Yeah, that's the vibe I got as well. I don't, the, the word is definitely not premonition, but I don't know what the word I'm yeah, looking for. It's like is, a but, sign. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A bad uh, one. Very much. Yeah. That, I didn't know that in character, so oh well, oh well. And we disembarked. Disembarked? I think that's the right word, right? We got off the boat onto the docks and Sounds adjusted cool. our weapons to be worn more prominently so that we could, you know, show everybody that we were willing to fight back. We weren't easy targets, and Viper kind of smartass told us that we should walk with our teeth bared, like, to intimidate people. So Rollin walked around doing Danish a little bit, <laughs> we decided that was dumb, so we weren't going to do that. Viper's a cat, though, so it's a little more natural, maybe, for a cat to bare its teeth. Not so much a humanoid-type creature. It looks a little weirder in that situation. It's like the person that never learned how to smile properly. Yeah. Exactly. And just as like housekeeping at this point, the trip has taken us 34 days to get here. So Mako has been infected for approximately 37 days. Yeah. And Grey Wart takes about a month and a half to three months to kill. So time's a ticking. We're really nearing that month and a half point. And uh, we decide we need to probably look for a cleric or a, a, a temple right away. Mako. That should be our first priority. And Viper knows about the three main gods that are here. Two of them are more evil alignments, and one of them, Cord, is a neutral alignment. So we decide to go for a Temple of Cord first and see what our options are there. And as we approach the gates of the city, we see a person, like, escorting on a, on a rope, a large cow-like creature with, like, horns and, like, a a fan thing here for people who are not in the game is the triceratops <laughs> we don't know that though <laughs> and there's like colorful birds and monkeys in cages i love that description of it because once you know it's a triceratops you're like oh okay yeah that makes sense but when yeah. you're hearing it you're like what the heck is this describing <laughs> no isn't it funny though like little detour mm -hmm. when you look back on um like medieval art and everything yeah. and you see what it is and then the what it actually is yeah you're like um i'm not so sure because what? you know they sent one boat off to somewhere then yeah. those people describe something yeah sent it back those people drew it and then they're yeah. like yep this is exactly yeah. what it looks like for certain <laughs> i'm a confident about that where that wasn't actually the case yeah yeah very very much that kind of situation 
Uh, so we passed them. That was kind of kind of cool. All these exotic wildlifes from here. And there's also more human-like Yanti around here, the snake people. But these are the ones that are like humans with just kind of scaly skin and stuff. But they're making no attempt to hide their snakier features here. They're, they're walking very openly. This is their terrain, their space. And so we walk into the city. There's, there's hawkers on like every corner selling their wares, jewelry, cloths, all kinds, all kinds of stalls. And the humidity, again choking there's insects everywhere very different environment than we're used to being from up north and there's gambling and street games and notably not really any children around it seems like children do not go unsupervised around scarbia that would be dangerous for them with it being you know a slaving type area basically Ooh. you want you want to not go alone anywhere. that makes me comfy yeah that was like once again, minor detour, when obviously COVID things were a little bit more intense and unknown, just not seeing children made it so much more eerie Mm -hmm. because they just didn't exist anymore. Yeah. And it was weird. Yeah. So that kind of vibe, there's not kids running around. I mean, maybe down an alley, there's like a couple street kids kind of thing. Yeah. But not not often not much so we continue through the city looking for a temple of court and we don't really know where we're going so we figure it would probably be good to ask somebody we pass a cellar with various creatures in cages they have these little puppies that are like playing with each other and they'll disappear and appear somewhere else and jump on top of each other like almost like the spell misty step which is kind of cool there's cats but their tails are little snakes and birds with like beaks and one fluffy little white kitty that really does not seem to be enjoying the heat it it does not look like it's vibing with what's going on here and uh, i zeroed in on these creatures because i love me a fun creature and i wanted that white kitty because it, it looks like it shouldn't be here in this heat and i need a ghost kitty to match ghost me obviously mm-hmm. And the seller noted my excitement at the exotic creatures. I was pretty open about it and kind of engaged in conversation and trying to convince me to buy one, obviously. And so I asked about the other animals first. I didn't want to lead with the white kitty because, you know, then they know what you want. Basically, you got to barter well. So I asked about, you know, the blink puppies and the birds. And I told him I don't have much money, but maybe my friends would be willing to chip in if I get them some information on the reason that we're here. So do you know where a temple of court is? And I managed to get him to give me an answer. So he directed us to the western side of the Cresting Sun District. And Mm. the Temple of Cord is the furthest temple up the mountain. They like you to really work for it to get there, apparently. So that was good. I had some information. And then I pointed out this white cat. And I was like, that cat does not look so good. It looks like it's dying or something. You're not going to be able to sell that. I was trying to convince him to give it to me really cheap. But it didn't work. And he just insisted that he knows his wares. It just needs time to acclimatize. It'll be fine. And apparently this is a crag cat that comes from mountainous areas. And they're really good climbing cats. And they grow, like, big enough to ride. Like, how badass would I look? White ghost Brenna style, riding a big fluffy white cat around. That would be pretty cool. 
Yeah, so cool. But uh, it's like 200 gold pieces. Okay. And we don't have 200 gold pieces. <laughs> so I thought about stealing it. But stealing, you get like your hand chopped off if you're caught here. And I kind of like my hands. So we didn't really think we could get away with stealing it. But maybe we'll come back and try later. So we headed on towards the temple. And it was a long walk and very tiring, especially in the heat and stuff that we're not used to. Yeah. As we go, we pass the temple of Malar, which is one of the evil gods. And Mako doesn't want to try an evil god for healing. I think his patron is probably a good aligned god, but he's okay with going for a neutral god, which is Kord. So we get to the temple of Kord and it's surrounded by fighting pits where people are sparring. Kord is the lord of battle. So essentially their their worship is fighting at this point. And as we enter the temple, this super buff, muscly, bald man covered in tattoos walks over to greet us. And we've noticed as we past temples viper keeps switching his holy symbol to be the symbol of whatever temple is appropriate at that time so he switches it to be a holy symbol of cord and is pretending to be a follower of cord i mean maybe he is a follower of cord but he's done this before where when we were back at the library he pulled out a holy symbol and was pretending to be a follower of that religion so we don't know quite What's up with Viper and his religious affinity that's going on there? But Viper, yeah, yeah, maybe he just wants to cover his bases, follow all the gods, just in case. I don't know. I mean, but... it can be appealing, right? You gotta cover <laughs> your bases. <laughs> so this man asks us, like, what we're seeking here? Why we're here? Are we here to pay homage to Cord, kind of thing? And Mako says, "Yes, we're here to try and get some healing." And the man introduces himself as Ramesh and seems to be a, a priest of some kind, though not a cleric himself. And Mako asks about their clerics, their healers, and tells him that we need a greater restoration spell. And at that, Ramesh's demeanor changes. And he's like, whoa, is, like, is this for the plague? Because greater restoration is known to be necessary for curing the plague. So he's like, have you brought the plague into the temple? Like, what are you doing? Kind of thing. And uh, we get a little worried, oh, might, might have misstepped here. And Mako and Viper cover and we're like, oh, we're not sure what it is. We just figure a greater restoration spell will, you know, cover our bases just in case. And Viper, being a follower of Cord, quote unquote, does manage to kind of ease this guy's anxieties. He manages to convince him that, that it's okay. And so the guy tells us that greater restoration would be 500 gold per cast. And Mako's going to need two to three of them to oh, be cured. And that's a lot of money. And we're like basically broke. They might accept items or gear in lieu of money, but we don't have any super value items or gear either. And we could work for payment, but it would be like months and months worth of work to get to the point where we'd earned enough for the healing. And Mako would be dead by then at that point. So Maybe. we can't afford that. And he, he goes, well, you might as well just go to, like, the witch at the south side by the wall at this point then, because we're not going to be able to help you here. And kind of, he doesn't want us in here if we potentially have the plague. And other followers by now have kind of started watching the situation, just kind of holding their weapons, not aggressively, but, like, yeah. they're armed. So we decide it's time to go. So we leave. 
and decide we're gonna try the witch because we don't want to go to an evil temple but what about a witch there's a little little discrepancy there so it's getting darker now and as the evening grows it's getting a bit cooler in temperature which is nice and i'm starting to pick up on how to navigate the city being an urchin type background in uh in my character it's easier for me to kind of pick up the pathways through a city and be able to get ways quicker so by tomorrow I'll probably be able to be finding uh, shortcuts and things to, to nip around the city a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And we're nearing the forest on the mountainside at this point. And as we walk through a particular market, we see this enormous turtle uh, tortoise shell with panels of the shell that have been removed and replaced with glass to be windows. And you can see like smoke inside. And there's these hinges where the legs once were and a red oak door where the head would have been. And that looks like a witch's hut if we ever did see one. So we walk over. And Glenn does not want to go in. So Nathaniel stays outside with him because, as established, friends don't leave friends alone in Scarbia. We do a buddy system here. So Glenn and Nathaniel are going to wait outside. And the rest of us are going to go in with Mako and see what we see. So Viper goes to knock on the door. And the door just swings open and smoke kind of pools out around our feet. And it's this massive structure inside, like almost too big inside to fit outside. It's a little weird. It's draped with cloth and silks and beads and there's pillars. You can smell spices and incense. And as we enter, the door closes behind us and latches, not locks, but latches behind us. And a woman steps out from kind of a kitchen-like area. And she has long, dark hair and green eyes that almost seem like a bit larger than normal. But it's probably just the style of makeup that she's wearing. And she's dressed in beautiful silks and jewelry. And she welcomes us in and invites us to sit. There's all these cushions and kind of like a loungy area. So Viper and Sumi sit down. Viper jokes that he like curls up like a, like a cat on the cushions. And Brenna asks this lady, are you the one that they call the witch? And she responds, oh, you've been talking to undesirables if you know me as the witch. And introduces herself as Yolanda. And she sits down in a chair facing these couches as the rest of us sit and gestures for an invisible servant to bring a pitcher of water that's more ice than water, really. Probably very desirable in this climate and asks us what we're here for. And Mako says that we're looking for healing. And at this point, I kind of insight check the situation. I'm trying to decide, is she creepy or is she welcoming? And everyone just doesn't like her for some reason. And so they call her the witch. And she's definitely a bit unsettling, but is presenting very well. And this is a welcoming space, but the impression is that it's very intentionally so. It's been designed to feel this way. And there's probably more than meets the eye going on under the surface. Bit deceptive. Yes, yes. So Mako says, we're looking to treat something that we don't necessarily understand. And she kind of like starts swaying as if to music that only she can hear and sniffs really deeply and then observes, oh yeah, you have gray wart, Tamako, and says she can cure it. She's always happy to help. And Mako's like, yeah, but what's the cost for it? And she observes that, well, if we're here, 
We likely couldn't afford it where we went before, but money and gold is boring. So we could earn the spell by doing a task for her. And at this point, the unseen servant is kind of stirring almost a tea bag into the ice water that's slowly spreading red throughout the ice water. And Yolanda says there's a person who's a thorn in her side who she'd like to see disappear. But they're not really a person, actually. They're a monster disguised as a man. And uh, they run a fighting pit near the valley slums. They go by the name Trito. And they're an oni, which is a large demonic creature, essentially the boogeyman. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can tap out at any point. I just, this part isn't scary, but I know it's building. So I'm just like, where is this going? Cringe. It can't be going anywhere good. (laughs) Yeah, um, he's an oni. So a large demonic creature, which is the boogeyman, that particularly, um, according to the stories, enjoy the consumption of children or adults, if that's what's available, and are clearly magical creatures and only she recognizes this guy as being an oni everyone else is deceived by him and accepts him as being a man at this point she kind of pours some of this red liquid into a glass and the consistency is off for water which is a bit weird but she sips herself um and says removing trito for her would be worth one greater restoration casting so that's good and like also He's a bad guy, right? We don't like people who eat children. So, I mean, of everyone she could have asked us to kill, this is, it seems okay so far. And she, uh, or rather Viper asks how she knows about him, like how she knows what he really is if everyone else is deceived. And she just says, oh, she's, she's wise. She's in tune with these kind of things. She's, she's aware where other, play, other people wouldn't be. But we're going to need more than one casting. And for the second casting, she wants to take a part of Mako to keep her warm at night. And Mako's prepared to just take this deal and, like, puts out his hand to shake on it. And Sumi and Brenna protest a bit at this point. We're like, um, I'm sorry, do you not want more information about what that means? Like, are you selling your soul right now? What, What's going on here? But ultimately, like, it's his life. And he shakes on it with her. And at this point, her smile is like, it almost seems to be cracking. It's too big. It's too wide to fit across her face. And as they shake, it's going to get really creepy here. Um, She reaches out and puts her hand on Mako's chest. And where normally you have two knuckles, a third begins to extend out of her hand and these like claws. And she pushes her fingers into Mako's chest, like reaching in through him and pulls out this small bead of light and her hand is bloodied. And Mako has no wound on his chest, but his clothes are bloodied a bit as well. And she puts this bead in a jar and wipes off her hand and won't tell us what it is. We're like trying to figure out what did you just take from him? Like, is this his connection to his God? What is this? And she won't tell us. But she casts Greater Restoration on him twice. She heals him completely. So she's lived up to her part of the bargain at this point. And Mako is content not to know what she took. She, he's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm good. I'm healed now. Which I teach their own, I guess. And he asks how she'd suggest 
<laughs> getting rid my of hair tie. Your hair tie just spontaneously breaks. Continue. My hair tie happens. My hair tie is freaking out. It's just like I can't handle this. Starch, starch. <laughs> so uh, Mako asks how she suggests getting rid of this oni, and she said that's that's our job to figure out. But to identify him, he wears a necklace with a dried finger on it, and if we bring her that necklace, then she'll take that as proof that we've held up our end of the deal kind of thing. She doesn't put a time frame on it, but essentially implies that she'll know if Mako goes too far without having completed the task and there will be repercussions. So do it on our own time, but do it kind of thing, which is creepy. Yep. And Mako thanks her for healing all of us, watching to see if she gives any sign because obviously she can smell this as though any of us are infected. And she doesn't seem to give any kind of signs. So he finds that reassuring, I guess. And we're like, okay, time to go. So we, we go to the door to leave and try the door and it doesn't open. And there's a bit of a beat where we're like, are we stuck? And then the door swings open on its own and we all leave and we're out of the tortoise. And Sumi and I are like, what was that? Did not like what just happened not a cool witch bad witch very bad vibes probably not our best option but we took it and now we're here so we fill glenn and nathaniel in on what happened inside and what our task is now to pay for this healing that mako got i mean he is healed so that's good i guess and we decide that we should probably look for Salbane and the Price Daughter first before going after this Oni. Because the longer we wait, the more likely they are to get sold to someone. And then they're going to be way harder to find. And maybe once we find them, we can send them back to the main continent with Ron and Isabel while we stay behind, fight the Oni, and then use mm. Mako's folding boat to go home. Something like that. So that's, that's the track that we're on at this point but by now it's nighttime so we need a place to rest and camping doesn't seem like a great idea with all the wildlife that we're a little unfamiliar with we probably want some walls and a roof or something so as we're walking back through town we do find a tavern but ultimately we decide to stay on the boat back in the docks for tonight even though it's a bit of a few hours walk because the slave ship would have come in at the same dock so we might be able to get some leads there in the morning before heading into the city to kind of follow any of those leads. So we head back to the boat and go to bed. And that was where we ended session for the day. And we leveled up, which which was exciting. We're level five now. Well deserved. Yes. Prepare yourself for everything that's to come. Yeah. I mean, we've already dealt with the witch. We just have to go deal with the, the demonic boogeyman now. I feel like that's a little bit scarier. Yeah. The witch didn't so much fight us, really. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, fun. <laughs> it's one word for it. Well, <laughs> once again, for the upteenth time, I stopped taking notes. <laughs> I didn't want to have to remember the second half of it. <laughs> But goodness me. Yeah. It was a lot. A lot. Yep. But we had fun. I mean, it was creepy. I was sort of hoping for, like, cottagecore witch vibes. 
which wasn't the vibes that uh, it ended up being. So that was a bit of a shame. <laughs> no, yeah. definitely, definitely creepy. Not good times. How long was this session? Mm, we started one thirty, I think. I probably went to about six thirty, six ish. So five or five and a half, five ish hours. It felt like it was long. <laughs> there was a um, lot that we fit in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, even just looking, like, yeah, a lot to fit in. Um, and, like, some of it was more heavy stuff, so that makes it feel a little longer, too, because, like, it's creepy. You have yeah. to sit with that emotion a little bit. <laughs> Gotta work through some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I hope this isn't like the direction things stay in for the entirety. It oh, is please. interesting. Yeah. Um, but it'd be nice if, I don't know, different interesting things also <laughs> happened that weren't scary. I got a heads up that this group's first campaign, because we've joined them on their second campaign now. Their first campaign apparently was super creepy, like all the way through, like, there was no a witch taking people's hands and or a hag rather, so we'll we'll see if that trajectory continues. I don't I don't really know though. Okay, well it's good to have a heads up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if it gets too creepy for you, we'll just bail on this campaign. You know, I'll I'll play in it obviously, but podcast wise, we can just bail on it if it becomes too much. <laughs> I mean, I that makes me look weak i'm not weak i think part of it is like it's not like i can't handle it but also i lose interest in things that are not of interest to me and creepy stuff does not entice me and i'm not saying like i'm at that point yeah but if it got like so like creepy and weird i think there would be like a lot lack of interest because i'm not engaging in it and there's no like necessity for me to be part of it I it would be it would be sad though to yeah lose I like thriller type stuff so at this point I'm still okay I don't mind I don't mind I'm not a big fan of horror though so get into the horror realm that might be a line for me yeah horror stuff yeah well I mean I can go over what I do have here um so the plague is getting worse that's that was determined um you're on the boat obviously there was a fishy trap situation (laughs) you had a bad time fighting yeah no it was awful um really a bad time i didn't even i started like being like and then this person and then i was like no we're just gonna all encompassing we have a group chat that the dm's not in and we were like well everyone got their backup characters ready we're just we're all gonna die goodbye everybody (laughs) that would be sad i'm glad that didn't happen Um, when the dice speak the dice speak (laughs) some skills were gained though Mm -hmm. and you arrived yep um you discovered that the it's, you're not on an island, right? A large island, or I mean, yeah, it's a continent. Like I'm, I'm picturing like Australia type. Okay, like anyway. island, but super big. You discovered upon arrival that their plague protocol is quite aggressive. Yep, yep. Um, there's lots of it's pretty creepy and sketchy from the get go. Yeah. Um, when you're describing the market. 
that you went through, it kind of felt like, have you seen Stardust? Yeah. Heck yes. It felt like the Stardust market. Yeah. When they, like the, the, like not like light and fluffy, but not too dark, but like mysterious. that whole underlying something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's just what I was thinking about, but you did some info gathering Mm-hmm. Um, you did not get your little kitty though. Might steal it before we go home, just just for fun, you know. <laughs> it, I think it'd be cool. To it'd have. be so cool. Um, I money though. No, <laughs> it would be a fun little adventure, a bonding experience. Yeah, I could get Viper to help me. He's a rogue and a cat, so like maybe he's got some some sympathies going on there yeah. to rescue this poor mistreated kitten. I guess you'll have to, I don't know, try Make once a you accomplish everything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, you went to the temple and had mm-hmm. no luck there. Yeah. It was not a good time. You were yeah. not wanted. No. You, I feel like maybe all the lying <laughs> was part of it. Well, it wasn't so much lying as like the whole like not telling the whole truth kind of thing. Which is a like, lie. <laughs> this is where I struggled as a child and had many punishments. Well, that's what ha- I mean, we do not need to get into our childhood, but that's what happens when you grow up in an environment that maybe we both grew up in. You just stop telling people anything because yeah. what's the point? Yeah. Um anyways, but we did one- get the impression that if we had gone to one of the evil temples, they might have just killed him. Okay. They, they might have not even let us walk out the door. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, a better outcome was had. Yeah. <laughs> um, then you made your way to the witch. Yep. My first impression of the witch and how you're describing that was, <laughs> have you seen the Kevin Costner Robin Hood? I don't think I have. That is really I know. disappointing. I haven't seen like Men in Tights or anything. Like I really need to up my Robin. That's. Game. I mean, sure, yeah, but it's totally different. <laughs> like the Kevin Costner Robin Hood is yeah. such a essential part of my childhood. Yeah, to the point where I could like quote it. I knew <laughs> that movie like backwards and forwards. Nice. Um, but there's a witch in that movie. Oh, okay. The sheriff consults. Yeah. And she is vile. Oh, dear. And there's, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a part where there's, like, blood involved yeah. and all this stuff, and it's pretty gross. Mm. And so that's what I was oh, okay. thinking of. And then, um, I know you haven't seen Carnival Row, but there's a show called Carnival Row, and mm. they there's this demon thing that's eating, like, because the Carnival Row is, like, Fey people yeah. living amongst humans. Right. And they've assimilated, but not really the Yeah, they don't really successful. accept each other, right? No. Yeah. Well the the Fey have like nothing against against humans other than they have the humans have just killed them all the time. Yeah. So right. they live it they live under the humans. Anyways, mm-hmm. so there's this demon thing that's like killing and eating Fey. Love and it. they're trying to figure out why. So yeah. that's the monster that I was picturing. Seems appropriate. Um, so it was all, 
those are like my least favorite parts of those yep. things though yep <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely didn't progress to like a creepy place that I couldn't okay. handle that's good um but I guess yeah the last note that I have is that you're going after the boogeyman yep so <laughs> stuff and nightmares <laughs> I feel like the the risks taken to get healed were quite high stakes yeah and like whatever the thing I I, I didn't make I am stuttering. I did not make any notes on, like, the loss of whatever that was that yeah. came out yeah. of, um, who? Mako. Mako, yeah. <laughs> and uh, all that. But, like, you're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it will come up. Like, she might be able to summon him or something. Or, like, I don't know what it what it's used for. Well, in, the, in Carnival Row, there's, yeah. they use, like, parts... They use parts of something else to control something else is what mm-hmm. is discovered. Yeah. And you can only, like, kill it when the actual source is destroyed. Right. And so I feel like too much access was given by... Yeah, I was shocked he was so willing to just go with it and not be like, mm, can we have a third option, please? He was just well, so on board. I guess, like... Like we established at the beginning, there's too many secrets. So, I mean, maybe it's not true at all, but it feels like... But did he know something about the state he was in that he wasn't sharing? I mean, genuinely not that we heard about in session. So unless he and the DM had private combos. But, I I mean, even in my mind, even if it wasn't true, that's what I'm like... That's how I'm like, okay, fine, it's okay that he did all that because of the secrets. That's the only way, because it's like... (laughs) He definitely doesn't seem, like, as religious as I would assume a paladin would be. Because, like, as we left him when we were filling in Glenn and Nathaniel with what had gone on, um, I kind of was, like, asking him, like, what do you think it was? Like, can you still talk to your god? Did she take away your connection with him? And he was like, I mean, I don't really do that, but I don't feel any different kind of thing. So I'm not sure how, how much of a connection he even really has, which, like, maybe clerics... Maybe I'm thinking more of a connection that a cleric would have with their god from how Selwyn interacts with her god. Yeah. But I kind of assumed paladins would be a, a, a little bit similar, being basically religious warriors. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I still think you guys need to sit down and talk about your <laughs> feelings. Well, Not even feelings. Talk about what's actually going on. <laughs> tell the truth become friends hopefully that happens at some point i guess there was no indicators of like what's going on in this session yeah no one did their little sneaky tricks so it's well someone might have while i was unconscious okay well (laughs) okay nathaniel may have drank the life force of one of the giant fish people (laughs) turned it into a husk but i don't know that so it doesn't seem like a choice thing. It seems like it just happens. If he does the death kill or something, that's just the result. Which is creepy. Don't do many secrets. Yeah. Whether it's a choice or not, we've got to be honest. Yeah. Yep. Well, all right. It was, <laughs> it was interesting and engaging, to yeah. say the least. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yep. 
I'm excited to like try and do some more mystery solving next time where yeah. we're trying to like track down Sylvain and, and the Prince Potter. Yeah, that's the whole point, right? Yeah, you that's get why that we're task checked off. Yeah. And like, hopefully, obviously, they haven't been purchased as slaves yet because that's gonna make everything a whole lot more complicated. Yes. Because you also don't have any money. No. We are very broke. You're bartering with your literal body and soul. So, yeah. (sighs) But I also don't know how we get money here without, like, doing some pretty dirty stuff. Like, I think the only way to get paid is going to be killing people, basically. Like, being assassins for hire. (laughs) So, I don't know how far we want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. I wish you the best. Bad guys. <laughs> I mean, I can get on board with whatever. <laughs> I just, the risks is what yeah. caused me fear. Yeah. It's a dangerous, it's a dangerous continent. And Scarbia itself, like the city, is ruled by, like, essentially leaders chosen by combat. So it's super, super aggressive. It's fight to the death, and if you survive, you get to be one of the leaders. So it's a bunch of young, fit, angry, aggressive people. (laughs) Which bodes well. Yeah? Not really? No. Yeah. That's, well, like I said, (laughs) I wish you the best. Thanks. (laughs) Should we roll some dice in the meantime? See if they do better than the fish fight? Sounds good. It is too bad that your dice are not working yeah. their best lately. I've got some new ones on order, so when they arrive, hopefully, they'll treat me nice. What do we want? Uh, let's go with your purple and teal. Okie dokie. Don't betray us! Twelve! We're back in double digits! That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Bravo. There we go. Good news. Hopefully that pivots things to a yeah. better, better outcomes. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, thank you for joining us, listening. Yeah. It was fun to catch up on this campaign. <laughs> I'm worried about the next one, but yeah. Yeah. still excited. So <laughs> we will Yay. be back on Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah. with campaign one. And in two weeks with the next episode of Campaign 2. Yay. Yay. Okay. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.